See, the ability to see across time and space is what remote viewing is. And so how does this come into play? Well, first, let me give you a little bit of background about remote viewing. Um, the CIA had something called Project Stargate that went on from 1972 to 1995. I'm assuming most people know what the CIA is, but you know, I don't know if you're from a country that maybe you're not. That's the Central Intelligence Agency here in the United States they had this thing called Project Stargate. Now, it was going along with the Cold War, and it was highly classified. It was a psychic sort of, using psychics to spy on enemies during the Cold War. Uh, other countries were doing it, I, I think specifically Russia, and I'm not sure about any other ones, to tell you the truth, but I know Russia was doing it. I believe that's how we actually got the idea for it. There was a psychic that was doing some things out in the media and the CIA caught on to him. Um, I can't remember his name. I think it's Yuri. I forgot. But he was bending spoons and things like that. And so they were talking to him and then that got in, into the ESP realm. And then they ended up exploring this whole idea of remote viewing. So... The Cold War um, came, you know, it was, of course, coming to an end, and they decided, finally, and they decided that they wanted to still know, they wanted to kind of look back and see if what they had done, if they could sort of look at it, you know, empirically as their evidence that ESP, that remote viewing, that these things really were real that they actually worked so along comes this woman Jessica Utz uh, she's a statistician and she was doing a project at Stanford University she was already there working on something else and while she was there she ended up getting recruited to become the statistician for this whole project of looking at what they had done during the Cold War um, there was another person, I actually realized I didn't get his name, um, so I apologize to him, but he was the skeptic. So the two of them were looking at the, the numbers. And I'm going to have a link in the description, too, to an interview that Jessica Utz did that I think, um, you know, if you want to delve deeper into this and go down that rabbit hole, because I'm sure then YouTube will send you to other sites that do remote viewing. You'll just, you can go all weekend on it if you'd like. There's a snowstorm coming in the Northeast and the, so you, you could just go right into that. So in this study, um, th there were some stories that y there's no doubt, there's no question that um, people who were involved with some of these situations actually say, absolutely, we found things um, there was a plane that was found, there were individuals that were found, there were some definite things that came out of this that you can't, you know, they were classified for a while and I guess either they came unclassified or people unclassified them without supposing to do that, but somehow we know for sure that some of this stuff by anecdotally did, did work. So, but they wanted to do the you know, the right way, do the statistics and get everything 
done the right way. So um, in this study, they did find that there was an amazing amount of consistency across a whole slew of laboratories across the world. So they weren't just looking at what they had here. They had other laboratories across the world that they started looking at data and seeing that it did actually support what we were getting, um, which was that there's overwhelming statistical evidence that it's not just chance that people are able to do this thing called remote viewing. And they were using people in this study who were not professed psychics. These were just random people. And they intentionally did that because they wanted to just get the idea of, you know, is this something that everyone can do? So at the end of the study, you know, basically there was, it was proven. Well, I guess what you would say is that the they found overwhelming evidence that people there there is some evidence for this so people were guessing if you want to say guessing if people were just guessing the the answers they would have gotten them right um about one in 10 billion no sorry the statistical chance of winning the library i don't like the way i wrote this because i like the numbers i did actually originally and i don't know why i switched it because this makes more sense the way i'm going to put it to you one out of three people <laughs> were able to get the uh, answers correctly using doing remote viewing and ESP work in these studies. One out of three. But they actually set it up so that um, it would have been one out of four. In one out of four chances, they should have gotten it right. So she was, the way that Jessica Utz put it was that it's not like amazing um when you look at those two differences one out of four one out of three but the fact that this was across all these labs across the world the consistency of it and the you know the amount of times that this was shown to be a real you know there's evidence for this that is what is significant so in any case, I have more information about, you know, she gets in a little bit in the, the thing I'm going to link there is um, it's got some talk about quantum physics. So that might be interesting to you. There's actually a book that um, was written by an astronaut and an animal communicator named Amelia Kincaid. Interestingly enough, at this time in history, if you want to say that, Betty White just passed, the actress Betty White. And Amelia Kincaid is her niece. And Amelia Kincaid is actually the first person I ever went to an animal communication course with. Um, my mother was actually invited to <laughs> the class. And she mentioned it to me. And I've told this story before. When she told me, you know, oh, there's this course in animal communication. Would you like to come to it? Um, I was like, what is that? And when she said what it was... It was just sort of like a light bulb went off and I knew that I had been already doing that. It was just a really, you know, one of those moments in life that you can't kind of don't ever forget because it was like, oh, I already do that. So I went to the course and I was really getting a lot of clear information and, you know, she commented on that to me and I ended up, you know, going from that point on and really delving into this 
whole thing and, and, you know, seeking more formal training and becoming a teacher myself eventually. So I wanted to just kind of mention that whole history of it and give you like a basis as to, to what it is and this, you know, interesting background. Um, because, you know, she actually mentions too that she feels that what really came out of this study is that we really need um, physicists to really start looking into this more. That, you know, we don't really know what this could lead to. You know, if there is this evidence that there does seem to be this thing that people have, this, this some ability, we don't really understand it. We don't understand, like, where it comes from. We can't... Um, break it down and explain it. I actually just had a new person today contact me, was referred to me. And she was like, but what do you, like, okay, what do you do? And I explained that I understand what animals are thinking and feeling. And then she said, well, how, how do you do that? And I said, well, it's just, um, you know, you have to think about it like intuition. You know, we've all heard the same old example about the phone rings. You know who it is on the other and before you pick it up, we all seem to have this ability on some level. And it just seems like maybe some of us have a little bit more of it, like a, a talent for it, like anything, you know, like anybody could do, we could hit a baseball and maybe do relatively well at playing a baseball game on the weekends. They're on a, t you know, a local team and they're good. But there's some people who are amazing and they're on, you know, the Yankees. So I don't know them. <laughs> I don't know what people have to say about that. But um, so she's saying that it's a shame that we aren't exploring this more and that there should be really funding for this. And that the reason that there isn't so much funding for it is because of what she calls deniers as opposed to skeptics. So people who unfortunately just seem to have this like wall up this block and they want to just deny debunk without really looking at things like statistics um they just want to say that this is impossible and then because of those people the funding doesn't get um put towards these kinds of studies and that's concerning because you know i think we all know that there are things in this world that are sort of covered up or, you know, not explored. Um, at the worst, they're covered up intentionally. Um, and I guess, you know, more innocently, maybe they're just not explored enough. So the truth is, we don't really know that they actually stopped using these techniques in the government. Um, it's quite possible that they do still use them, but they just don't talk about it. And, you know, it's just easier to some extent to use some of the modern technology that we have too. We have these things that we, you know, think it, there's been a lot of advancement since the 70s and 80s. So there isn't much as much need for it. So that brings me to, you know, the topic of animal communication and how do these two things go together? Um, Oh, that's so sweet. You think your babies must love hearing my voice, my 11-year-old German Shepherd? Well, I love German Shepherds, so 
um, Contessa and one of her feline sisters, Pearl, are playing like crazy. Well, you know, it definitely could just be that they love that you're, you know, animals, this is how they speak to each other. This is how they communicate. They pick up what we're thinking all the time. They pick up what their animal friends are thinking and feeling all the time. So they could very well just simply be picking up on the fact that we're talking about them being able to communicate with us and it gets them excited. Um, because a lot of times when I talk to animals for the first time, especially, they're very excited to have this chance to finally get to speak. So it definitely could just be that. Um, okay. So in animal communication, most of the time, you know, really the reason I'd be using remote viewing, as we call it, is when an animal is lost or missing. So when I'm doing animal communication, normally I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm basically feeling what an animal's feeling. I'm picking up on what an animal's thinking, um, scanning them to see, you know, anything physical that they're experiencing. But I don't um, necessarily need to like view them remotely. I don't need to see their environment necessarily. Although sometimes I do... I, that does happen, but a lot of times I'll just see it through their eyes. So it's a little bit different than remote viewing. It, it's kind of interesting because they kind of like, you know, flow into each other. So that is kind of, I don't know, they sort of crisscross a little bit. But remote viewing, like is in the traditional way it's, you know, talked about, I have used more for lost and missing pets. So... For example, I had a cat that was missing and the person, um, well, the person contacted me. We did this by phone, which most of the time I do. And what I saw was two houses down, um, a white house with a not huge backyard, like a medium sized backyard and um, a person in like work clothing um, some kind of, <coughs> excuse me, wearing jeans and some kind of, um, some kind of like covering. Um, it's a, a little hard to explain, like a brown sort of um, apron or something along those lines that they would use to cover up. Um, so it, it looked to me, and this was a while back, so I'm also trying to recall all this completely as I was using it for an example today. I was trying to remember the whole thing. Um, but I saw the person in their backyard. There was a car, like an old, old car that they were they would do work on sometimes. Um, the, the yard was messy. There was like kind of just things, you know, not to be judgmental, but there was just kind of random stuff in the backyard there was um but they they were like doing work back there and then there was um an upside down ro uh, red boat um like a little one you would take out maybe fishing and then towards the back of that there was a shed that had like a gray sort of wood old um shed and then behind that there was a wooden fence and there was grass and like tall weeds and grass along the fence and I saw the cat back there hiding and 
so I told this person about this and they said oh yeah that sounds like a neighbor of mine and because of that she was able to go over and talk to the neighbor and confirm that he had seen the cat and then through this process you know long story short she ended up getting the cat back so remote viewing is part of it you know I also talked to the cat and experienced what the cat was experiencing I found out that the cat wasn't trying to uh, leave the person they weren't sick they were just kind of having a good time like just sort of you know it was summer and they were out just doing their thing and they went over a little bit far and that was they just hadn't made their way back home yet and I've used it in a lot of a lot of situations like that. So, oh, so don't tell don't tell them their dad that they're doing that. Then he might get jealous. <laughs> um, since they're playing like that for him too. Um, I also do this on a podcast, so sometimes I feel like I have to sort of explain what I'm reading a little bit to the people who are listening. Sometimes I just cut things out, but. Is it similar to astral projection? Um, it isn't in the sense that astral projection is actually somehow you are, tr it, it, the result might be the same or similar, but in astral projection, again, hard to explain, you know, exactly what that is, but people who are doing that are somehow actually my understanding of it at least is leaving their body in some way shape or form um, they're able to do that and go elsewhere and I mean that's actually something that I had tried at some points in in life and I had had a time where I had like dreams doing that kind of thing um, it's not something I intentionally do now and the reason for that if you want to know, I mean, you know, everyone, your opinion is your opinion. I'm not, you know, trying to say that you shouldn't do it or whatever, although I have concerns about it, um, which is why I don't do it because you're, if you're in some way leaving your body, um, that just logically to me, isn't a good thing to be leaving your body unattended. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some, um, I don't know if the word would be arguments, but some pro arguments for how you take care of that. I don't know, like uh, protection and things like that, asking for protection. But to me, I do, I do not think that's a good idea because you're leaving your body unattended. You don't know what's going to jump on in there. Um, so that's just my personal opinion. So I don't think they're the same in that sense. Like the the actual form that you're doing it the way you're doing it, the method is not the same, but you could be getting similar results. Um, and there's also a discussion, you know, there is, um, I'm not sure if this is in unclassified documents that have become unclassified. I'm not sure about that, but there is something about the government using astral projection too, that that was part of their studies as well in other countries too. Um, so if anybody has any questions about that, feel, you know, please feel free to let me know. But that was just sort of my little overview of remote viewing. I think it's a great tool for uh, missing, lost and missing pets, for sure. 
And it's something that I do often when I'm working with lost and missing pets. So, um, and I think that there is, you know, I think that Jessica Utz is right. It would be good to get some funding and to look further into it because, you know, who knows how that could benefit society. So just understanding this sixth sense or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, a little bit better. So I know that we did have um, at least one person who was interested. So SK. Um, I'm going to put a link into the chat. In the meantime, I will tell you another remote viewing story. Um, I was working with a dog who was missing, pretty local to here, and um, they had, they were out in like the country. So sometimes remote viewing, I should have gone a little bit further into this actually, just to explain like when you see through an animal's eyes doing animal communication, you are literally looking at what they're looking at. But with remote viewing, you're able to see um, over and above. You're able to look down and see what's in the area. Um, some, I know that part of the whole, like, this, uh, you know, spying on people thing was they could actually look at photographs and documents. That's what they were partly using it for. I haven't had a reason to do that. Um, and it's a little bit different that you also might do more of like sketching when you're doing remote viewing and you can send that to the person where you can, you know, you can actually see an area and much, you know, a, a fair amount of animal communication can just be, you don't really know why something's meaningful or what it is. But if you start to draw out an area for someone else, you can send it to them and, you know, hopefully that's going to make sense to them seeing that area but if you're doing it through an animal's eyes you're not necessarily going to be able to see as much you're not going to see the whole picture so um this animal that i was working with was kind of out in a country area but there was like a major road and i was able to see the big road and sort of make um, a sketch that i could look at where their home was and see where that went down in like a triangle that went into like a big wooded area there was a, a smaller road and then um that was a big part of it the smaller road but between the smaller road and the highway-ish road or the big big road <coughs> excuse me there were a few houses so i could see the a back porch of a house and came up, was able to show them, came up with some distinguishing information about that back area, like that they had a raised porch, um, you know, the steps went down, and that they had been feeding uh, the dog, and they'd seen the dog, and it really helped to kind of narrow down the area, um, because that's what could be so overwhelming when people are looking for missing animals. It's just overwhelming sometimes. It could be this huge area and they don't know where to start. So, 
you know, with this, you can actually kind of narrow it down for the person so that it's not so overwhelming and they can focus on a certain area. Where you sometimes have difficulty is that, of course, animals move quickly sometimes. Sometimes they'll hunker down and then it's easier to find them. But if they keep traveling, that can be a problem. Um, I think it's great that we have drones now. I know there's some people um, who do look for animals who have drones um, <coughs> or rent them out or what have you. A little bit tricky, I guess. It can, it can be when there's a lot of um, tall trees or it's hard to see past the trees down into the um, area. So that's where it does help to be able to see from the animal's perspective. Okay, so it looks like you are here. Okay, so I'm going to bring you into the Lyra, um, into the screen, just so you know, bringing you in. Okay. That's, is that the cat head? Is that what the f <laughs> Yes, okay, yeah, she was frozen, and I think this is the ear. Okay, so that, <laughs> I thought it was like a fuzzy lined thing. Okay. Um. Yeah, I see the kitty now, but she's not, um, like, moving. It's okay, though. She doesn't have to be. It's just, a, like, a picture, essentially. Um, but the problem is I can't answer any questions because I don't know what they are. Let me see. Maybe you posted a question above before. In the meantime, is I'll just kind of tune in to her. So she, the first thing I get from her is um, she, <laughs> she's confused about what's going on she's aware that she is the center of attention right now. She knows that she's supposed to be like um, doing something she feels like. So let me just explain to her. Okay, so she says that you've been telling her about this all week. So she knows that she's, she knows about this already. And so it's now making sense. She's like putting it together. Okay, this is what we're doing. Uh, I get that she does get irritated, looks at you, and she's like irritated. Um, that might be what you're misinterpreting, the way she's looking at you. Uh, let me see what she's irritated about. I also forgot to mention that this is all for entertainment purposes only and educational purposes. So everything I say is just my opinion and I am not a vet. I don't diagnose or treat illness. Not that we're talking about that right now, but. Okay, one thing she doesn't like, I'm specifically hearing this like music, but I'm hearing, I'm pretty sure it's music. It could be like TV or something. It could be a podcast, any kind of sound, but it's coming through an electronic equipment. Does not like it very loud. And I'm getting that sometimes she feels like it's irritating. This is so strange because now I can see in my like guest room this, oh, she's so pretty. I wish you guys could see her. She's, I don't know why I have her. Um. Oh, there. Look, she's a little furball. Is that her? That looks really strange, the lighting. Um, 
It's definitely going to be very confusing for the podcast listeners. I may have to edit it, but it's like her fur is spiky. I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. Okay, I'm just not going to look at the picture. Um, <laughs> um, I wish I could get more of your questions. It looks like she's praying, I know. <laughs> the screen's frozen, so I don't know if she was in the middle of doing something. And then... If you can't have her picture, that's okay. I'd rather just be able to communicate with you, SK, whether it's through chat or um, using the link with just, you know, you listening on the phone and talking. You could do that. Um, um, oh, by the way, next week is the 100th episode so <laughs> I am planning to do something for it I'm not sure I'm probably going to do a giveaway um, well I am going to do a giveaway I just haven't decided what that is yet so that's something that you know people are interested in and it should be you know hopefully a fun night um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody's pets next week um, including Godiva Basically, if you want me to talk to your pet, um, I just really want their... It's nice to have a photo. We don't have to have a photo. It's nice to have them on video even more. I think it's just... The reason I say that is like the video especially is just for people who are watching. It's a little bit more interesting for people to be able to see the animal. Um, and I just like their name, date of birth, or, you know, age. Um, I really don't need, you know... A bunch of information and it can you don't want that information because you don't want it to influence you um, if you do get some information you know I can block it out but well <sighs> thank you everybody um, I, <laughs> I hope to see everyone here next week and um, you know come for our hundredth episode all right good night everybody God bless Love a nice massage and a belly rub. Nothing makes me feel more relaxed. I like my ears rub. I like my paws rub. I like my back rub. I like my tail rub. I like to relax while I Rub my belly, rub my belly, rub my belly, my belly, my belly. to relax.
Rub my belly. 